How did you feel getting diagnosed with autism? Um. It's probably going to be hard growing up knowing that you're different yeah. because then you're going to not know how to deal with certain things. People never disagree with you, mm -hmm. then you're kind of preaching to the choir anyway. Like Now you're learning to cope with it. Now you're learning to how to be kind to yourself to some yeah. degree. Different, like okay. we shouldn't feel like we have to deal with things ourselves. Yeah. If there's something that you're struggling with, speak to a professional. So my next guest on this podcast is Tom Malone Jr. And you'll know him from Gogglebox, but actually after the podcast, you may know him something different, really interesting. In his life, he felt isolated, he felt slightly alone, and he felt like communication was really difficult. He felt like something was wrong with him. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but for Tom Malone Jr., it all changed when he got diagnosed with adult autism. He accepted himself, he thrived. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and he'll tell you more about it. So Tom, welcome, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, you? Yeah. yeah, doing well, doing well. We were just talking about your enjoyment of walking, you didn't walk here from Manchester, did you? No, 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 <laughs> no. No, that would have taken a bit of time. But um, So obviously people know you from Gogglebox, don't they? Yeah. And so how was it like growing up on Gogglebox? What age did you start and how did you find it? Uh, it was a weird one because I was like 21, I think, when I started filming Gogglebox. Yeah. And by the time I left, I was like 27. So people have been with you for years. Yeah, so when I did um, Coach Trip, I did Coach Trip and Linda Robson was literally saying like, oh, we've watched you grow up. Yeah. And I never even thought of it that way because as time passes, you're just experiencing it. But people have literally seen me grow up from like just older than a teenager to being like a full grown man. Yeah, of course. And it's weird because they watch you your opinions change as you grow up and stuff as well so that that's weird but it's nice because when you meet people they feel like you actually they feel like they know you because yeah, they, they've watched you they've essentially been in your living room every yeah, week yeah. watching tv with you so it's weird because they speak to you like they know you and you're like i don't don't know you know. <laughs> but yeah. but it's nice it's nice that they i have can that imagine sense it's nice. of like familiarity familiarity yeah that's right they have that sense of like knowing you and that's that's cool. Yeah, I guess that's what Gogglebox did. Like, being in someone's living room is quite an intimate place to be and yeah. chatting with them about TV, it probably did <clears throat> kind of open that you know you up to them. And Yeah, and it's nice because when people meet you, they don't, like when, when they speak to you, they like you for being you. Mm. And there's, there's like a, it, it's, it's nice. Like, you're, you're not just speaking to me and liking me for something that I can do. You actually just like who my family are. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's nice. Yeah, of course, of course. And so, what made your family decide to go on Gogglebox? So we got scouted for it. Oh, is it? Yeah, so they don't take applications because they don't want people that really want to be on TV. Yeah. So what they do is they go around like businesses or they'll go into pubs, local pubs, uh -huh. and they'll just chat to people and find people that are good for it. Yeah. So they, they actually came into a dance studio that I was teaching at at the time. Yeah. And someone from reception had been off for a while because they'd been ill so just because my mum knew everyone that worked there my mum had been working on reception just to cover and um they actually they rang up the studio owner and it was just the same day that i think my mum had been having a funny conversation with someone on the phone and me and my mum had been having some banter in the studio or whatever mm. and she, she basically just said yeah that like julie and tom would be good for it so they mm. came in she, they never told us they came in okay. the next day and they were like are you Julie? And she was like, yeah. And they were like, and is, is that Thomas? And I was in a studio that was just behind the reception 
and I was trying to work out why my windmill to head spin wasn't working right. So no word of a lie, as they was like, is that Thomas? My mum turned around and I had my head against the wall just doing this. <laughs> so they must have been like, this is gold. These yeah. these are not normal people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they asked us to do it and that we never thought we'd, we'd get it because we were like one of the first families that they did a test shoot with. <laughs> and literally by, I think about a month, six weeks passed before we got the call that was like, oh yeah, we, we want to use you guys. So. Oh, because you, you probably thought they'd moved on. Yeah, we, we completely forgot about it. Yeah. And when my mum told me, she was like, I can't remember where we were, but because we weren't allowed to tell people, mm. she was like, oh, so we got good news today. And I was like, oh, yeah, so what was that? She was like, GB. And I was like, GB? <laughs> I'm trying to think, is this something to do with like Olympics? Yeah. Is it like, what's good? And then it, it, it clicked, clocked, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But it completely left my mind. Didn't yeah, even think about it. So, your mum and dad are still on the show? Yeah, with my brother. Okay. Yeah. What made you decide to leave? I was like, I was 27. Like you said, I've grown up on the show. And it's like, I never intended to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd always yeah. been a dancer growing up, like doing that sort of stuff. Like that wasn't the end goal for me. And as, mm-hmm. as much as like, I'm so grateful for it, it was, it got quite tedious having to like two days a week go back and sit for six seven hours filming and it was like I was getting a lot of opportunities to do other stuff but because I was contracted to the show I couldn't do those other things so it was a a case of while I was still young enough to try it and I had the opportunities there I wanted to go and explore the other Mm. stuff I could do so I'm eternally grateful for the show like it was amazing it was a lot of fun but like after nearly seven years I was like let me try something so that's new that's a lot of filming yeah. actually isn't it it's a big commitment yeah. and especially if it's slightly you can't really move on with the things yeah and it was um, like 30, 30 weeks of the year as well like it's, yeah. it's not like it's two small series it's two 15 week blocks yeah it's heavy <laughs> yeah and you're happy to be out doing your own thing now yeah it's like it's a lot a lot of fun yeah. like I can kind of do things my way mm-hmm. like I could do things my way then because it was like it was authentic to who we were, but I was kind of tied down to going back and filming two days a week on these specific days, which meant I couldn't be away for those days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's so nice you, to you just... more freedom yeah. in your diary. Yeah. So tell me, there's a strange rule on the show. Can you tell us what that is? Oh, there's a couple. One of them is not being able to meet the other people that are on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, is that the one you meant? Which is the one? That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that one, I think... I, they never really gave us an explanation. Yeah. But I think it's just because because everyone's from different walks of life. Everyone's like got different political views. Mm. Like I think they just don't want people to meet, become too friendly. Then they share the same view. and I don't even think it's about sharing the same view. I think it's just about they don't want people to be worried about being open with their view, worrying about offending someone else that's on the show. Right. So I think it's more that to keep everyone separate kind of avoids that. Uh-huh. But then everyone talks on social media and stuff anyway, yeah. so... I, I don't get it, but that's that's how they wanted it, so that's how it was. Okay, yeah. I can imagine. Was there any other strange rules that you can think of? Um, we always had to sit in the same order Yeah. on the couch. I think that one was just because people don't like change. Yeah. So people like to know that every time they tune it's in... It's comfortable. It's like... I have is, my own seat on my sofa, yeah. actually. And just for the audience, like, the audience, it's crazy the stuff they pick up on. Like, the mm. slight thing changes, and, like, you might change the couch in your living room mm-hmm. and Twitter's like they've got a new couch 
and it's like whoa whoa <laughs> <laughs> guys you just new couch yeah, it's just, it's, we just we sat on it do you know what I mean it's fine <laughs> it's, it's got no relevance to the show but yeah I think because people don't like change they like to keep everyone in the same order yeah. so it's like and uh, I had to sit in between like my brother and my mum but because of the way the cameras were set up we had to like scoot towards like one end of the couch okay. so we were always like a bit like this. If, if yeah. you watch it like there's sometimes that you'll see that I'm quite like yeah squashed yeah it's not not the most no comfortable, most comfortable. not <laughs> in your living room so you mentioned that you were a dancer tell me more about that yeah so since I was six okay a long time yeah, yeah. wow that's like 20 23 years yeah I feel old <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit older than that but anyway <laughs> but yeah so been dancing all my life started with like tap ballet contemporary okay. like the Amazing. very sort of classical styles and then as i got older like that wasn't the music i was listening to so i started doing more like the street dance styles mm. and then eventually found breaking so now i break my crew travel around the world competing and stuff i've danced cool. for a lot of artists so like rita aurora emily sandy nice. uh, the cortinas wiley uh, yeah, it's taken me all over the world, so I, I can't complain. Like, I'm blessed. You love it, yeah. yeah. I can tell, yeah. yeah, like, that's, yeah. You like, come way, alive in your eyes, yeah. actually. So yeah. way before Gogglebox, like, that's what that's like what fulfills me. Like, that's, yeah. that's what I live to do. That's where you're at peace, yeah. Yeah. I can tell. So you see your eyes go, yeah. we start talking about <laughs> your dancing. But, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't stereotype or judge anyone, but just for the purpose of this, like, you're a bloke, you're dancing, yep. you're doing tap dance. You must have been singled out, no? Yeah, so as as I mean, I boxed as well. Okay, oh, well, that helps. <laughs> so I did both. But ironically, the one that I was open about with people was that I danced. Okay. Because I was always short as a kid. So mm. my dad was always like, if you tell people that you box, you're just going to get people that want to try their look. Because mm. if they beat up the kid that boxes, mm. it's like, yeah. oh, I beat up the kid yeah. that boxes. Yeah. yeah. So that was the one I never told anyone about. But everyone knew that I danced. So that like there was times that people would say something, but I think because I wasn't shy about it and yeah. I wasn't insecure about it anyway, yeah. it was like it there wasn't really land. much to poke fun at because no. it was like, oh, are you dancing? It was like, yeah. 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 I'll show you. Now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and because I was doing well with it, I think it made it even less easy to poke holes at, like to poke fun at because you can't really poke fun at someone that's doing more in and what, also they're loves doing. what they're doing. Yeah. So it, it wasn't too bad but like obviously you get the odd comment and stuff at school but yeah. i never really Nothing cared too much home. i was doing what i wanted to do so yeah of course did you struggle with anything at school or anything um yeah yeah, yeah but i didn't know why okay i always felt like a little bit sort of like i didn't fit in any particular group mm. like i was a little bit different never really understood social cues and stuff like that growing up yeah. a lot of jokes a lot of sarcasm would go straight over my head yeah and then I actually found out a few months ago I'm autistic. Yeah, wow. So like stuff like that, I look back at it and I'm like, oh, that's that's why that's it was like that. Yeah. So in, in terms of that and like my social interactions and stuff at school and social cues, I struggled with that. But it was nothing to do with dance or anything. No. But you had a group of friends and... Yeah. But you still felt like the old one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a group of friends and, and actually looking back, one of, one of those group is also being tested for autism. Okay. So it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> How did you feel getting diagnosed with autism? Um, It made a lot of things make sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was, 
it was a strange feeling because yeah. it's like on one hand you're thinking like oh if I would have knew when I was a lot younger it probably would have helped me with a lot of things that I struggled with and at the same time I'm like I'm grateful that I didn't know then mm. because I had to just learn to deal with the real world as it was yes. rather than being able to use something as an excuse mm. so I think that there's pros and cons of it and I'm I wouldn't change anything because it's led me to be who I am mm. but there's definitely pros and cons of both late diagnosis and early diagnosis mm. like as I see my nephew like because he's he's diagnosed as well but he's yes. he's young he's like yeah. five and sometimes I think like it's probably going to be hard growing up knowing that you're different yeah because then you're going to not know how to deal with certain things because you, you're aware of it yeah. whereas for me it was just I had to just Crack get up. on with it yeah. yeah so I think there's there's disadvantages to both but it was, it was definitely a surreal experience to look back at things in retrospect now knowing it's it's quite you know the adult diagnosis of autism is not common yeah um what made you go down that path literally because people had always like made comments about being like oh but you must be on the spectrum or something in fact when right. i first met my girlfriend's parents uh-huh. when i left uh, her house the first thing that they said to her was like he's a really nice lad but is he a bit like on the spectrum <laughs> and she was like i don't know <laughs> but um yeah, like people had always made comments like that. Like and my what whole would life. make them make that comment? What about? Just because I, I wouldn't understand like social cues yeah. a lot of the time. So social cues. Yeah, and sometimes I'd say stuff in the most literal sense. Yes. Rather than being tactful. Yes. And it took me a long time. Like, I'd have to do that consciously rather than just naturally being like... As you processed it, you said it. Yeah. yeah. So like, there was one time I was at a dance competition years ago as a kid and some one of the girls had done their makeup different uh-huh. and I think they asked people what they thought of it and I just looked I was like, oh, it looks weird. Yeah. And to me, I just meant it looked different to what yeah. it normally was. Yeah. But then she ended up in tears. You being literal, bit, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it's a common thing. A lot of autistic people often yeah. are presumed to be rude and stuff and it's just because we think in a very literal sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, so because of all of that, people have always made these comments and I always thought like, if I am... I am, but I, I can, you know, make it through the world. I'm fine. I've always been this way. Mm. Uh, so I didn't really think about getting diagnosed until my nephews. I've got two nephews and a, a niece that's suspected of having autism as well. Yeah. Um, then it became a thing of let me get tested because a lot of the things that they do is stuff that I did as a kid. And that's what's leading to them being tested. And I was like, let me get tested as well, because if I am, at least they'll have an older role model that they can relate to. Of course. So it was more of a case of I wanted them to be able to speak to someone in their family and be mm-hmm. comfortable with them about the stuff they're going through. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have that. I just thought I was a weird kid. You know, it's it's funny. Learning difficulties, autism, and you're the ones um, associated um, these kind of spectrum disorders yeah. um, are really underspoken about. Yeah. And, you know... First of all, I think it's brilliant that you speak about Thank it you. and you acknowledge it because it helps people. Thank uh, you. And it's kind of, I was really interested to explore it a little bit because to have, I can see you're a confident lad. It helps, yeah. you know, I think <laughs> dancing and performing has put you in that mindset where you are you and however I dance is how I dance yeah, and you either like yeah. it or not. And who you are is who you are and you yeah. accept that. And um, it's interesting because when I talk to you, I don't feel that much shame yeah. around you. You, you you are who you are and if people accept it they accept it and I think yeah. but it's an ability to equip people and to help 
number one, help people if they think you know they've got a potential on the spectrum disorder. But number two, to help others associate and communicate and understand people yeah, who absolutely. may have that as well. So one thing you've said that I'd love to explore a bit more is you always felt misunderstood, you said. Yeah. Or the odd one out. Yeah. Just talk to me a bit more about that and how it relates to now. So it's just in school, like there was very clear like clicks mm-hmm. of people. And I was always that one kid that kind of floated between like I was kind of friends enough with everyone, mm. but not like in the cliques, if that makes sense. Yeah. And even in terms of like when I meet people like within the dance industry and stuff like I've grown up in industries that are very network heavy. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Networking is the worst thing in the world for me. Like I'm mm. literally, I'm the most awkward person and people... You probably shy away from it even. Yeah. And often I've been considered to be arrogant or rude because like you said, I'm, I'm confident. So yeah. I don't appear to be timid, mm. but at the same time, I'm not overly eager to create conversation because mm. I know that often as a kid that would end up with awkward silences and stuff. Mm. So I kind of just sit back and observe the situation a lot of the time. It's part of your adapting. Yeah. And I think because of that, sometimes then autistic people end up being misunderstood yeah. in terms of, oh, he's arrogant, he's yeah. rude. These doesn't sort like of things. me. Yeah. I think that I've, if you were sitting there just not talking, I'd be like, that doesn't like me, I turned up, he's not talking. <laughs> I've had that a lot. I've had yeah. a lot of people when I was growing up being like, I, I can never gauge when you're joking or when you're being serious and people saying it's you're so hard to read mm-hmm. or these sort of things. And now it all makes sense because I know I'm autistic. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's one of the situations where if I would have known back then, I would have been able to be like, oh, it's it's not that I don't like you. It's mm. not that I'm rude. I just communicate in this way or I would have yeah. been able to... You communicate con- different. Yeah, and I would have consciously been able to... We, we call it masking where mm. you kind of do what you can to appear neurotypical. Yeah. And often... Do you do that? Yeah. I think I did it more so before I got my diagnosis. And now I'm I'm more kind of comfortable with the fact that, you know, I'm not just strange. <laughs> I'm, I'm autistic. Like, there's a reason why I process information differently and I shouldn't be ashamed of that because mm. there's a reason for it. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, if I'm honest, I, I know some dancers and they're all extreme experts to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> they're all very, very social. Yeah. yeah. And I just can think about you going into it, obviously very good at what you did, but not being able to pick up the social cues, not being able yeah. to be the extrovert with them. And if you did, potentially saying and attaching the wrong meaning to cues. Yeah. And that can lead to hurt without meaning yeah, to it. Yeah. So you, I, part of your adapting of sitting back silent was probably a way of coping with that. Yeah, 100%. And like the, I've been lucky that from a very young age within the dance world, me and a close group of friends have always been really close. So you've had people around you. Yeah. And you? we we all ended up having like, very successful careers and stuff Mm. which you know we're blessed with but Mm. because of that I had a a close group that I could socialize with and be my authentic self with and didn't have to worry about those things because they just knew like that was how I was Mm. so they they never really made me feel awkward about it or anything like that and Mm. I'm super grateful for that and um because of that I was still a I could still be social. I could still have loads of fun with my friends it was more so meeting people that I hadn't met before Mm -hmm. because yes it was it was more so the meeting new people because you're not worried how they'll see you as a first impression the people that i'd known for years it's like ah oh, they you, knew you they you accepted know me it's you. fine yeah. yeah 
So yeah, yeah it's, it's more the meeting new people thing yeah. that's a worry. And so you got the meeting new people. So how else have you lived with your diagnosis since it's happened? Um, since it's happened, I've just because I'm aware of it, I'm just kind of like, well, it it is what it is, and if I can. That's why I'm so vocal about it on my social media and stuff. Mm. It's because I'm like, if I can try and raise more awareness so that more people are aware of autism and how it affects people, mm. then people are going to be more tolerant when they meet new people of not being like, oh, he's this, he's that. It's like, it's like oh, well, maybe it's he's got something else going on. Maybe he's yeah. autistic. Maybe they've got ADHD. Maybe they've yeah. got one of these these other like spectrum disorders that can affect people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so you've mentioned you being honest on your social media about yep. your diagnosis has your following been supportive how has your following been yeah my my followers have been great you get the odd troll that pipes up and this is this is another thing why people need education because you get people being like you're not autistic we've seen you laughing with your family and it's like they're the people i'm the most comfortable yeah, around in the world like why would what, i be awkward does that mean with my autistic family? people can't laugh yeah <laughs> i mean i had one person that commented on a video of me dancing being like it's almost like he's not autistic and it's like oh because yeah. autistic people don't dance yeah, like, yeah, what? yeah. where's where's the correlation that's, that, that's <laughs> yeah. the great thing about the education actually of it yeah and i mean it is a, a spectrum disorder and you know i i'm lucky enough that i'm able to cope in in the world and i can live an independent life mm. like i'm privileged enough to be able to do that there's a lot of autistic people that are non-verbal mm. that can't like they can't communicate they can't live a life independently and you know it's it's a shame but those like there's this thing of like oh he's not autistic because he's not that and it's like no i am i just it's a spectrum people mm. have a different we're in different places on the spectrum and it's not linear yeah it's like you can kind of imagine it as like a, a circle yeah. and people are in I, that's the point i think yeah when you talk about autism and the spectrum, there's very, very severe autism yep. where people will struggle to communicate. Yep. And then there's these a group of people who are able to mask yeah. very, very well. You know, that's not for a troll to say they're not autistic. They're exactly. still autistic. Yeah. They still perceive the world in a slightly different way. They still react to stimulus yep. in a different way. Um, and that's one of the big points. How do you process information? How do you then, you know, regurgitate that information and then the corresponding action? There's a difference to how that's done. Yeah, 100%. That's not for someone to go, well, actually, one of those things I don't agree with, you know, that's the yeah. point of autism. It's just people mask. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And actually, I think that's one of the great things about your social media and you being so honest about it is if you are masking, it's tiring you feel different, yeah. you know, I mean, you're very confident, but there will be down times, like, you know, and yeah. there will be times that's tough. And when you've upset someone about their makeup, you're not there <laughs> singing and dancing and thinking, oh, why do I do that? Yeah, so I, I, that's one thing, when I had my assessment, I was speaking to the guy who was assessing me and he was saying that, like, do you often leave social situations and then sit thinking about the things you've mm. said? And I was like, yeah, all the time. I thought that was just something that everyone did. Mm. Because I'll sit there and I'll be like, oh, has this person interpreted this that way? And I'll be like kind of worried about, have I said something that can be... Offensive. Yeah, have yeah. I said something that can be taken that way mm. and not interpreted that way myself? Mm. And um, that's, a, that's a big thing with a lot of autistic people. Mm. There's a lot of autistic people develop other like 
anxieties and stuff around social interaction yeah. and mental health is a, a big problem within the autistic community as well because it can affect like having those anxieties when it comes to show, social interaction and stuff yeah. can having a bad interactions autistic. yeah going to affect your mental health and because, i don't care how strong yeah. someone is having a bad interaction always hurts yeah and because like, like especially you if you're exhausting yeah like you're masking so it's gonna be tiring yeah, like sometimes you go to a social event and like i i'm like if i'm with people i'm comfortable i'm yeah. very it's social yeah. yeah and i'll be at a social event and even then sometimes I'll and get everyone's to adapted to you some degree yeah and even then sometimes it'll get to a certain place and i'm like okay i'm done now yeah <laughs> i need to i need to go home now i'm done mm. like and i bet your friends are used to that and they're supportive yeah. Whereas other people be like, oh, he doesn't like me, I'm, he's gone. Yeah. You know, but I, I think one of the helpful things is you've probably had a fairly consistent group of friends around you. Yeah. And that's probably massively helped you. I have a, a really small, like, core of, of people that I've, some of them have known me since I was like 13, 14. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they're a, a lot exactly. older than me. Some of them are people that, like, were kind of, my olders when I was growing up in the industry that mm. I've grown up to be like great friends with and stuff. And like, I, I'm grateful for the people that I've had around me because they've been like solid, consistent for like my whole. So considering you struggle with social interactions a little bit, yeah. um, how did you keep that close group around you? Uh, I think because a lot of them knew me from being young, uh-huh. they just knew me for who I was. Yeah. And as well, a lot of them, knew me from the dance industry the dance world coming up that way and I think because I had a certain level of social currency Mm. because I was talented and because I was achieving quite you know big things Mm. in in that industry I think it gave me a a level of social currency that I didn't have to be as as worried about other stuff because I knew no matter what I did you already associate me with someone that has something of value Mm. So because of that, I was able to sort of navigate that environment with less, I don't want to say insecurities because I'm not insecure, mm. but like with less anxiety around what people were perceiving me as. Yeah. But I'm, do, I'm secure do, in Do you spend enough time I'm, with that group? Yeah. Yeah. And they're still my core friends to this day. Well, How many of there? I'm not Um So it's like two groups because yeah. it's like the people from London and the people from Manchester, but yeah. I've got maybe... Four or five very close friends yeah. in Manchester. And you'd um, see them all the time? Yeah, all the time. And yeah. then I've got like, we actually have a group chat of people that I used to dance with as a kid that yeah. I'm still in still touch with in London. That's so lovely. Yeah, and then there's about eight of us in that. And then I've got like my crew as well. And my crew are like my brothers. And, yeah, who like, you dance two with. two girls in there as well, like yeah. my sisters. Like, yeah. We couldn't be closer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So part of it's um, that you've given a lot of time towards building those relationships yeah. and because of that all the you know differences are accepted pretty much from everyone in that yeah. group yeah that's nice um and so what would be someone that says autistic yeah. who's listening to this and you know they may be finding it fine and masking fine but they may also be struggling yeah. what would be your advice to them um it's a tricky one because everyone's different and it of depends course. what those people are um are struggling with in particular mm. and where they are on the spectrum but for me like i found when i got diagnosed i found a lot of peace in the fact of i understand why i am the way i am mm-hmm. and rather than seeing it as something negative i just process things in a different way yeah and instead of yeah. tr- instead of being like oh 
I wish I was like this or I wish I was like that. I'm like, I'm grateful that I am who I am. Mm. So I think a lot of it's just like kind of finding peace in the fact that that's just the way you are. You can't can't change it. Mm. If I could change it, I wouldn't because I wouldn't be who I am. Mm. Like, yeah, I think a lot of it is just finding peace in your situation. I think you're right. I think the acceptance and as you say, finding peace of who you are is who you are. Yeah. It's not that something's wrong per se. It's just different. Yeah. And learning to accept, adapt and find the positive spin on your differences will lead to a much better life. And, you know, how other people judge you for that says more about them than it It does does. about you. Like, don't say anything... Difficult to take that in real life, but you're right. And, like, obviously, if you do something wrong, you can't be like, yeah, well, it's their problem that they have a problem with me doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, but in, like, the grand scheme of things, if people have... If people find issues in the way you are because of your autism or ADHD or people with these various things. It's like, that's, you're not to blame for that. Mm. You're just living as yourself. You're being authentic. You're being what you're supposed to do. All these same people will probably be on social media telling people to be yourself and be kind and all this stuff. So you you can't win with those people. Yeah, of course. What there's this saying like, um, is it what people mind don't matter and matter don't yeah or some, yeah. something along yeah. those lines but like it's essentially the people, people that mind don't matter don't and matter. the people that matter don't that, mind yeah the people yeah. that don't mind matters not like, yeah. yeah yeah that's the one yeah but yeah it's it's like the perfect thing because it's like if you care matter, yeah. then I it's it's not my problem yeah that's your problem I think that's a really good way to look at it it's like if it doesn't matter to them, then, you know, if, if, if they mind you, it's not going to matter to them. That's the yeah. point. But if it's a real big problem for them, then really there's not going to be any relationship there anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think anyone who's on social media and reached a bit of a following, there is negativity. Yeah. Social course. media always is positive yeah. and negative. And as you say, just accepting that, moving on, focusing on what you can control and what yeah. you can control is your life and what you do with it, who you spend it with, yeah. what you spend and your focus on. You know what? In a really weird way, I'm kind of grateful for the negativity on my, like my social media as well that's around that subject mm. in the terms of, I know it's out there anyway. And when I do get it, I'm like, okay, cool. It's a chance to educate. Yeah. So because... I'm lucky enough to have that platform. I mean, it sounds weird to say I'm grateful for the negative. Like, not no, in, I hear you. Not yeah. in that sense, but more in a sense of it gives me an opportunity to address it mm. in front of like the people that I have that follow me. Like, I'm lucky enough to have a platform. Like, I can actually use it to do something beneficial rather than have a really superficial platform that doesn't mean anything. It I completely agree with you. When I see negative, it means I reach them. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're processing what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's great. Whether they had a negative or positive, or well, who was I to tell them what to how to react? You know, yeah. as long as it's not abusive, I don't mind. If it's abusive, if, that says about them. But yeah. uh, you know, and it, like if people never disagree with you, mm-hmm. then you're kind of preaching to the choir anyway. Like you're yeah. speaking to a bunch of people. That's that it. You've got you, the reach yeah. that you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with you. If I'm speaking to people that disagree, it's like okay, now I have a chance to to have a conversation mm. and actually educate you on what it is because there's such a lack of education about there autism yeah. out there anyway like there's people doing great work mm. um like great charities and stuff doing great work but when it comes to actually the the mainstream media and stuff like mm. girls with autism is a huge problem mm. because girls tend to find it easier to mask a lot of the time yeah. which often means that women 
and young girls find it really hard to get a diagnosis. Yeah. And when you look at like autism in the media, nine times out of ten, like when you see an autistic character, it's a straight white guy. Yeah. yeah. And like they'll have all the typical autism yeah. like stereotypes. It'll never be sort of a diverse character at all. It won't. So And it all be it won't be someone on either end of the spectrum as well. Yeah. It will fit into a certain category. It's always the same yeah. as well. And it's always very sort of like Rain Man. Yeah, it is. It is. Thing. And it's like, it makes it so hard to diagnose anyone yeah. that's not, well, not to diagnose yeah, anyone yeah. that's not that because the professionals know what they're doing, but yeah. it makes it hard for like parents. Well, the education's not there yeah. because they're expecting someone to talk differently. They're expecting someone yeah. to, to mismatch every social cue. That's just not the case. Exactly. And as, as a kid growing up when people did make comments a lot of the time i was like yeah but i'm not autistic because i don't fit yeah. that i don't fit of that course. stereotype that's yeah. out there and there's parents that will probably be like that as well mm. and like i think that's that's one of the things that i really want to like push as well is that mm. i'm not someone you would immediately look at and be like mm. autistic <laughs> do you know what yeah I mean? yeah like, yeah I, I don't tick the stereotypical boxes like i do something that a lot of people would consider a cool thing to do like i I dance and I travel the world yeah. doing it. Like I've been on a, a TV show. Like I've been lucky enough to do these like great things and I've had amazing opportunities and mm. stuff. And people wouldn't equate someone that does that no. with someone that has autism. Yeah. So I'm like... Especially dancing in the yeah. public eye in front so of the TV. And- I, like that's one of the reasons why I get a lot of people that are like, you don't seem autistic. Yeah. And, and it's like... Well, that's because you have a misconception of what autism is. It's not a spectrum for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's that person, that Rain Man yeah. kind of S character. Or they see it as a spectrum that's like a spectrum of that character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. are you like 100% that character yeah. or are you just a little bit like him? And let's just be clear, you're not saying you're autistic to be a victim or to apologize for anything. No. It's just a fact of life and yeah. you process things differently and it's a positive spin on anything. You are who you are and you just move on. Yeah, exactly. In the same way that sometimes it's like, sometimes it can make life hard for me. Mm. There's other times that it's worked amazing for me. When mm. I did um, Celebrity Mastermind mm. and I finished like, my, my specialist top, topic I finished second, I think. Mm. General knowledge, I won by like five or six points just because yeah. I have this weird mind. Yeah. Anything that's interesting to me. You just I, retain it. Yeah, so yeah. like, you know, as much as there's negatives to it, there's also ways that our mind works in amazing ways, yeah, you know, so, so it can't brilliant. all be negative. Yeah, of course, of course. So tell me, with the dancing, what's the next step for you? Any big dreams, any big plans? What's next for um, you? So I really want to create a project. I'm actually in the, the starting process of it now, like to create a project that, kind of helps people from disadvantaged areas get into like the arts basically through oh, cool. um, immediately through breaking mm-hmm. but eventually I'm I would like to branch out to other stuff mm-hmm. as well because growing up I was from a very working class family working mm-hmm. class background I was lucky enough to have first of all parents that were still together mm-hmm. a lot of my peers and stuff weren't lucky enough to have that and my dad was willing to work 7 days a week like all year mm-hmm. to make sure that I had the opportunities that he didn't have growing up mm-hmm. and when I was going to these dance classes and stuff that he was paying for like it was very rare that I was around other working class people like a lot of these people you know were quite well off and stuff and that's why they were able to do these things I was also lucky enough that I would end up getting scholarships and stuff to certain things so for me I just want like I've been able to create like a life out of my passion 
but that's not the reality for a lot of working class kids so for me i want to create a project that gives those kids the opportunity that i was lucky enough to have but that isn't a reality for a lot of those people Mm -hmm. so that's that's the next step for me with my dance stuff and then also i'm still traveling around everywhere with my crew competing internationally and stuff so perfect yeah great and so i wanted to finish on this let's say someone's feeling a little bit misunderstood a little bit out of place yeah what would be your advice to them um i think therapy is a very underutilized tool Mm -hmm. in in our generation i think there's kind of this stigma around therapy that people don't don't want to go and speak about the problems or they think like oh i don't need it because they kind of see themselves as weak if they need a therapist or whatever and um i'm saying this i don't have a therapist myself (laughs) but like like if i was to start struggling with something like quite badly i'd I wouldn't feel any type of way about getting a therapist because yeah. I think if you have a broken arm, yeah, that's you right. don't just go, oh, but I'm strong enough to deal with it by yeah. myself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If, you need like, a cast and, sometimes. Yeah, you need to see you a need doctor. A cast, you need to see a doctor. Like yeah. You go and see a professional who understands yeah. how to fix that part of your body. Mm. Your your mind is no different. Like I We agree. shouldn't feel like we have to deal with things ourselves. Yeah. If there's something that you're struggling with, yeah. speak to a professional. Yeah, That professional is more than likely better equipped helping you with that yeah. than you would be by yourself yeah and i think there's there's no shame in that and because of the way that the stigmas around mental health and stuff yeah. it affects that especially with men a lot of men think they have to do this stiff up stiff upper lip and not do with yourself anyone. just yeah yeah and there's there's no shame in speaking to someone who can help you process those things in mm. a healthy way because at the end of the day you're doing the work yourself mm. no one else can do it for pull you, you yeah. pull you out of that place yeah like but they're giving you the tools to know how to do it mm-hmm. and to help you do it and deal with it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most underutilized tool. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think lots of people go to the gym, you train for dancing, and then if you start struggling in your mind, yep. people won't see someone's help train <laughs> their yeah. mind. And ultimately, you know, a therapist or a psychologist can't do the work for you. Exactly. But what they can do is give you a framework help you cope, help you push on, help you feel heard and, you know, maybe talk about, you know, steps forward. And that's the point, isn't it? I mean, everyone goes through positive and negative things in life. You know, you've had some negative experiences and, you know, part of them have led to you going to see whether you got diagnosed and you did. And as you say, it helps you cope. Um, You seek help about something that could be or could not be, but in the end, it's helped you understand yourself better. And I think that's what, you know really anything does that you explore yeah 100 percent. and even with that like i didn't realize how much that like those things growing up had affected me until i found out mm. and like the wave of emotion once someone confirmed to me like oh you you're autistic mm. was like oh so I'm, I'm not just that weird kid like there's a, a reason why i process things differently and like that was a massive sort of weight off my shoulders yeah in in a sense because you do judge things. yourself yeah. sometimes do you? yeah of course and sometimes you don't realize you're doing it and yeah. that's what i found i'd always kind of just been like like brushed all those things off and i didn't realize until i found out mm. how much it had affected me and how yeah. much i was like i have a reason yeah yeah and um people are too hard on themselves man yeah yeah i think we're all very hard yeah. on ourselves um we all kind of are probably our worst critics yeah 100 um and beat ourselves up but i think you know the truth is we can take positive or negative spins 
steps are steps, either positive steps or negative steps. I've always, in my life, just focused on the next step. Yeah. I think sometimes if you look at the mountain, you're like, oh my goodness, yeah. what on earth? You know, if, if I would have said to you, you're autistic without you gone for the diagnosis, that would probably have been a step too far. The yeah. point is, your cousin's, it was cousin, wasn't it? Got diagnosed. Nephews. Nephew, sorry. Yeah. Your nephew got diagnosed. That was step one. Yeah. Yeah. Step two is people mentioning it, you thinking it, and then you seeing someone to get diagnosed. It happened in steps and yeah. then got you. And then now you're learning to cope with it. Now you're learning to how to be kind to yourself to some yeah. degree. Yeah, 100%. And there was, I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was on a a podcast somewhere. But one person made this amazing point of like, if your friend came to you with the same problems that you're having, Mm. the way you would speak to your friend about those problems is completely different to how you speak to yourself Mm -hmm. because people aren't kind to themselves. Mm. So why would you be kind to your friend but not yeah. be kind to yourself. Yeah, why are you going to be kind to your friend and not yeah. you? I agree. Because because you know that not being kind to your friend mm. and saying like nasty things like, oh, well, you're weak, you can't deal with this. and like, mm. Making those same comments you would say to yourself mm. would put them in a more negative place. Mm. But you, you don't put two and two together and go, I should be kind to myself because that's the thing that's going to help. It's funny, I think, because hearing you talk, I can understand you've achieved a lot of things in dance, but p- part of that is probably having to destroy yourself in training for hours upon hours <laughs> to perfect something that may be much shorter, but we can often do that to ourselves psychologically. Yeah. Um, and your diagnosis of autism, your diagnosis of autism has helped you be kinder to yourself. Yeah. You know, just as you're hard on yourself with your training, I bet you're hard on yourself as well on other elements. Yeah. I mean, I've always been very kind of um, secure in who I am. I think Mm. because, like you said, there's the stigmas around boys that dance and stuff as well. From a young age, I developed kind of like a sense of, well, I do what I do because I enjoy it and I don't really care what anyone else Mm. thinks. So I've never really struggled with being like at war with who I am, Mm. even before the diagnosis. But I did have concerns of why I was a certain way. Mm. Um, I'm, I've always been very much in the the camp of like if something's gone wrong it's like um, do I have the power to change it mm-hmm. if I do then it's like okay so I change it mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't it's like okay so why worry about it yeah, <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't change it very good. Very and good. then it's like okay so what can I change mm-hmm. that will improve the situation mm. and yeah, I've just always tried to think about things like that. Like, I can only affect what I have the power to affect. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's you know, probably one of the strongest psychological tools. If you look at um, ACT, part of it is accepting positive, negative things happen. Yep. Accepting you can't control everything. Yep. And focusing on just the things you can control. And the suggestion is it leads you to a better, more happier life. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for time together. Thank you for being so honest um, with me and, um, you. you know, people listening. And um, I do think whenever someone allows their true self to be seen, it's very courageous. And I think what you've done is very courageous. And I think what you've done is educational. So thank you. really appreciate, I appreciate that. that. Thank Perfect. You. Thank you so much. So I thought Tom's podcast was so honest, so unique. I love the fact that the diagnosis of autism in his life was not a point of shame or being embarrassed, but a point where he was like, yeah, this is me. 
and he accepted it and thrived from it, helping him communicate better with others and helping others understand him better. So I wanted just to go into a little bit of autism and what it is. So autism, spe autism spectrum disorder is just that, it's a spectrum. It can be very, very mild or it can be very, very severe. And it tends to present itself with social communication issues, repetitive behaviors, restrictive interests, things like that. And people may think that you are a little bit distant, that you aren't interested, and that you don't necessarily communicate like they wish you to. That could be autism. And actually there's nothing wrong with you. It's how your brain's wired. And the most important thing, if, if you feel you have some of those symptoms, is go see a medical professional. And if it turns out that you maybe do are on the spectrum of autism, tackle it like Tom did. Tackle it where his interests, which were restricted, became dancing. And he's forged out a career of dancing. How fantastic is that, that he's used it for his benefit? And most importantly, and my final point is, do it without shame. Being autistic does not carry shame with it. It does not carry negative connotations with it, unless you allow it to be. You should look at it as a chance to know yourself better, embrace yourself and let others know you better. Be seen by others, be courageous like that and try and allow yourself to be seen by everyone around you without shame as you are to enable you to live your best life and communicate as best as possible.